Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. Today's episode features Dr. Tim Clary, geologist and research associate with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Clary. Today we're going to talk a little bit about dinosaurs, and we're going to explain that dinosaurs are not birds. The secular world keeps saying dinosaurs are birds, they evolved into birds. We're going to see there's some major differences between dinosaurs and birds that really can't be crossed, just like God says in His Word. He says that everything was made according to their kind, everything reproduces according to their kind. We'll see that birds and dinosaurs are completely different kinds. God's word is true about dinosaurs. They are not birds, and they're not millions of years old. They don't disprove the Bible, and they did, in fact, live with humans. And we can read about that in the book of Job. What does the Bible say about dinosaurs? He says in Genesis 1.25, he says, And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind. And so he made all the beasts of the earth, including the dinosaurs, on day six, the same day he made humans. And God created dinosaurs to eat plants. In Genesis 1.30, he says, Also to every beast of the earth I have given every green herb for food. So dinosaurs and humans in the pre-flood world all were created to eat just certain plants. Today, after the flood, God allowed animals to eat the flesh of other animals. But in the pre-flood world, they were created in God's perfect world. Humans and animals all were given green herbs for food. There's two worldviews we talk about in many of these programs. God's word is truth if we believe that. That God's word is true. He made the earth in six days. He made the dinosaurs on day six, with the beasts of the earth, and there was a global flood. And we see the remains of many dinosaurs in that record of the global flood. The other worldview is that uniformitarianism worldview, where they push God out. It's the secular humanism worldview, where they think everything continues the same rates and measurements they can find today into the past. And we know things were different in the past because God's word tells us there was a flood. The world was destroyed that then was. So things were different. We can't just see what we measure today and project those into the past. Second Timothy 4, 4 says, And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And so the secular world has actually turned their ears from the truth of God's word and they're writing their own fables. There's stories that dinosaurs and birds evolved into each other. The dinosaurs are in fact birds. All those fables are being spread out there in the secular movies, secular books, secular TV shows, and the Discovery Channels, all these different radio programs and TV shows are all talking about dinosaurs or birds. Even some creationists are succumbing to the pressure of the secular world and starting to say dinosaurs had feathers and dinosaurs behave differently than they do. So did dinosaurs really have feathers? We see that in all these movies and things. We, we hear the publications constantly coming out. A new feathered dinosaur from China, a new feathered dinosaur from here, from there. Unfortunately, most of the evidence does come from one location in China. Peter Wellenhofer, who was a retired paleontologist from Munich, Germany, says, there is a problem. Are these dinosaurs with feathers? The other possibility would be they are not dinosaurs. They are very primitive birds. So he says, so this, again, is a problem. So he admits that it's hard to tell if it's a dinosaur or if it's a bird with feathers. And there are frauds, unfortunately. The archaeoraptor that came out in 1999, announced by National Geographic, 
Uh, this is supposed to be half bird, half dinosaur. It's exactly what they wanted. They claimed it's a missing link between birds and dinosaurs. And in fact, when they CT scanned the specimen and looked at it in more careful detail, they found out, sure enough, it was half bird, half dinosaur because it was made of a bird and a dinosaur glued together. But it fooled the entire secular community and many prominent paleontologists as well because they saw what they wanted to see. But in reality, it was fully bird and fully dinosaur glued together. Another case, you can look through a few more of these from China, the Confucius Ornus. Uh, they CT scan that and they can see how the Chinese have glued together the curators that found these things glued together the slab onto a separate slab underneath. There's air bubbles, metallic inclusions, there's grout included. So many of these specimens that come out of China that are supposedly dinosaurs with feathers are in fact fabricated and made up. Not all of them, but many of them are actually uh, touched up and re-glued and, and made look better than they really are. So dinosaurs, did they really have feathers? Uh, fiducia, Alan Fiducia studied these a lot and found out that these things that come off that look like little hairy structures may in fact just be collagen. As you compress an animal in by sediments, collagen oozes off and what looks like hair or feathers, and these are called proto-feathers. And the feathers are actually like hair-looking things, and that's what these paleontologists are often calling dinosaurs with feathers. It's really just what appears to be hair-like features that could just be collagen oozing off from these animals in the process of burial. True feathers are found on birds like Archaeopteryx, whereas Cynoceropteryx has what they call proto-feathers, and it looks more like a hairy structure, which could be, again, just collagen oozing off. But unfortunately, as Peter Weldenhofer says, sometimes science needs a headline. Feathered dinosaur gets financial support, and so it's all about the money. If they can get more publications, they get more money. Now it's time for a short break. We'll hear more from Dr. Clary in a moment. Dinosaurs are fascinating creatures. Seeing their fossils inspires a sense of awe and wonder that sparks the imagination. We're learning more about them all the time, but many questions still remain. Are dinosaurs really millions of years old? Did they live at the same time as humans? How do they fit with the Bible? And why are they extinct today? The Institute for Creation Research addresses these questions and more in their full-color and easy-to-read book, Guide to Dinosaurs. Guide to Dinosaurs delves into the history of dinosaurs, fossil discoveries, dinosaur kinds, and what the Bible has to say about these mysterious creatures. It serves as a helpful resource for parents and kids alike. Order your copy of Guide to Dinosaurs from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Clary. We've been talking today about the evidence that dinosaurs are not birds and they didn't have feathers. Uh, that was our first segment. Now we're going to talk a little bit about dinosaur metabolism because birds are warm-blooded. That's why a lot of the secular world is now pushing if dinosaurs are birds, then they have to make dinosaurs warm-blooded as well. On TV, we see the secular portrayals of dinosaurs being warm-blooded, and it's almost assumed that they're warm-blooded now, even though the evidence, as we'll see, is not that strong. You watch the Jurassic Park movie, the very first movie, and we see the Velociraptor steaming up the window. That implies that that dinosaur was warm-blooded. We see the Velociraptor, you know, opening doors, being smarter than a dog almost, implying that the brain of the Velociraptor was bigger than it really was. But let's look at the evidence of dinosaurs. Were they really endothermic 
or warm-blooded, animals that can maintain their body temperature, whereas cold-blooded animals, called ectothermic, ectothermic, are reptiles, most fish, amphibians, those types of things where they have to rely on outside heat from the sun to get hot and warm their bodies up so they can become active, or they have to go in the shade to cool off. They can't control their own body temperature, so they have to either move around to generate heat or get in the sun. So you see snakes and reptiles today warming in the sun so they can become active. And so that's the difference between endothermic and ectothermic, whether you can maintain your body temperature on your own or you have to rely on the outside temperatures to do it. Well, how do we tell with extinct animals? How do we tell like dinosaurs where there's no living example today of what's extinct and what's not? Well, one thing they've studied is they've studied the bone histology or they've done thin sections of dinosaur bone. And initially, they thought this was proof that dinosaurs were, in fact, warm-blooded because they see highly vascularized bone. Bone with lots of holes in it where the blood vessels went through, just like you see in a mammal bone. If you were to look at a mammal's bone or a warm-blooded animal's bone, you see highly vascularized bone. So dinosaur's bone resembles warm-blooded animals. Unfortunately, for these people that thought they found the holy grail of warm-blooded dinosaurs, uh, there were studies done by people like Thomas Wurskowicz, who did a study of two reptiles. He exercised one on a treadmill, made it go out there and work out. The other one, he let just lay around and be a typical lizard. And about two years into his study, he sadly said he had to kill his little lizards and look at their bone structures. So he killed them both, looked at them, and the exercised reptile, which is cold-blooded, its bone structure resembled a warm-blooded animal. It was highly vascularized. The other animal was not highly vascularized like most reptiles today. So if an animal is active it will actually show the same bone structure of a warm-blooded type animal. So dinosaurs were active. That's all we can say from their bone structure. It doesn't necessarily prove they were warm-blooded or cold-blooded. But you can also study the nasal turbinites, as they're called. 99% of warm-blooded animals possess these coils or membrane-covered cartilage in the bone to reduce water loss. And so if you're warm-blooded, you want to breathe in a lot of air and breathe out again. You don't want to freeze your lungs. So you have these membranes that kind of reduce the water loss and heat loss as you're going in and out. Well, the studies have been done on four different dinosaurs, including the Tyrannosaurus rex, and none of these dinosaurs had any turbinates at all. So that implies dinosaurs were, in fact, cold-blooded. Then you look at the brain size and the shape of the dinosaurs. We can match up the shape of the brain from the brain cavity, and we can see that actually the brain shape is more crocodilian and less like a bird. It is actually a size proportional to modern-day crocodiles and lizards for the size of the dinosaurs. So the big dinosaurs like T-Rex even though it had a bigger brain, it was still shaped like a crocodile and was still proportional in size to the crocodile, which implies, again, nothing like a bird. A bird would have a much, much bigger brain. And so the velociraptor you see in the movies that everybody's scared about really wasn't all that smart after all. Finally, there's you can look at the food supply necessary to supply a big 7-ton triceratops or a 40-ton sauropod, a long neck. How much would they have to eat? Well, a 7-ton triceratops would actually have to eat about what a horse eats daily if it was cold-blooded. If it was warm-blooded, it would have to eat 24-7. It would, wouldn't be able to get enough food in its body to, to maintain its body temperature. Uh, the sauropods, the long necks are even worse. They're up to 40 tons, some of them. And those 40-ton sauropods you know, have very, very small heads and very, very small necks. They would have to eat more than 24-7. If It's almost impossible for them to get enough food to supply what they would need if they were warm-blooded. But if they're cold-blooded, God designed them exactly what they needed to eat, exactly the teeth they needed, everything about them. The last thing I want to point out is the soft tissue support, actually, by looking at impressions of the organ structure on some specimens, particularly the Scipionics, 
found in Italy. Uh, this particular specimen has impressions of the diaphragm on it, and it shows that it's much more like an alligator, even though it's a small theropod dinosaur. So even the internal organs seem to match up with the cold-blooded animals today. So in summary, dinosaurs were not birds. Their metabolism appears to be more reflective of cold-blooded, the way God designed them, and not warm-blooded, which moves them further from birds. And secondly, the feathers we talked about in the first segment shows that dinosaurs were also not like birds. They didn't have feathers. Uh, anything that has feathers today is either a, is a bird or an extinct bird or is not a dinosaur by any means. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.